wow, here we are into this thing, maybe about 20 or so episodes, 67,000 downloads, I think we're at, Ryan. And it's just really the part, it's not even those numbers that really hits me. What really has been touching my heart about this podcast is the stories, the stories of clinicians in grad school, EFT supervisors, even some trainers talking about how this podcast has helped them. And so we want to take a moment to check back in just in, as any good you know, therapeutic model to check back in and remind you of who we are, where we're at with you all as a podcast and some exciting things coming in the future. Welcome to the Leading Edge in Emotionally Focused Therapy with your hosts, Dr. James Hawkins and Dr. Ryan Reyna. EFT is a dynamic model that humbles even the most seasoned therapists. Together, we want to come alongside you as you continually push the leading edge of your understanding and application of this wonderful model developed by Dr. Sue Johnson. All right, welcome back. It's great to be with you. Um, want to organize ourselves a little bit, but before we jump into today today's episode, uh, man, we're excited about what's coming next. We have a great series coming your way mm -hmm. um, with a lot of special guests. We got some of the, the most important names in EFT, maybe. Uh, some great names, some all-star names in, in the EFT world. We're going to do a series of that, um, led off by none other than Dr. Sue Johnson. She'll be with us here uh, in three or four episodes from now. Mm -hmm. So we're so excited to expand the voice, expand our repertoire, different ways of looking at these, uh, these concepts, and happy to share those with you. So thanks for being with us. Before we do that, though, we have three episodes coming your way. This first one is just kind of reestablishing uh, who we are and what we're trying to do um, with the leading edge in EFT here. Um, I was in a conversation um, not long ago. And it wasn't, it wasn't a confrontational thing, but it was interesting. Someone made a comment as if they thought we were referring to ourselves as the leading edge in EFT. And uh, that's so far from my reality. I was like shocked someone would even think that. But then I started thinking, well, that would make sense. <laughs> Based <laughs> so, on the name. Huh? Yeah, someone might think we're, telling, we're trying to say we're good. So we, we are not the leading edge no. in EFT. Uh, I'm not exactly sure who that would be. Somebody really cool. Uh, but not me. No, uh, not maybe me James. So, <laughs> so um, we're happy to be with you. But I do. I think it actually makes a point that that's worth talking about. And so, I thought we'd do an episode on it. Mm -hmm. What is the leading edge? I think the leading edge that we're referring to is um, it's a multi-level concept that's really important. It, so, so definitely multi-level. In, in some ways, it is about you, the listener, and your work. Um, I think that's definitely a piece of this. In my mind, I think James has a little different take on this. I'll kick it to you in just a minute. But the primary thing I'm thinking about is with every single client that you work with, um, whether it's individual, couple, or family, um, like many people in our profession, Dan Siegel and others, they talk about this window of tolerance that we currently have. It's, it's a little bit like, say, an, an emotional skill set or a range. And... One of the problems that's behind every single problem is that range has become rigid or diminished. So in other words, if your emotional range is constricted and insecure and disconnected, what's going to come out of that is going to be rigidity, a lot of rigidity. And with a lot of rigidity, that's behind every single 
problem in, in every relationship and really every human behavioral problem. So the leading edge is the front side of that range. It's the, it's the front edge of what every one of your clients brings in your office. And what we're trying to do with this is to try to clarify some tactics and some, some sort of paradigms to work with and assemble and organize and attune emotionally with where someone is and help you identify where their edge is because it is the ability to stretch, push that leading edge that creates change and healing. So the leading edge is what your clients already have. At least that's a significant part of it in the way I think about it. Yeah. So one, I'm, I am thankful to that person to bring that up to you because even though, you know, this is good about communication, right? Even though you might have a certain intent, you don't know how it lands, right? Until you check in. So when I think about the leading edge and as we do it, uh, you were thinking about for the clients and their leading edge. I'm also thinking about us as therapists. One thing I, I do appreciate about EFT and Sue and the culture she's created within EFT for all of us, not just the trainers. EFT is not a model that you just master. You read one book and you've got it. Uh, it really requires continual study of your process, which is why we do videotapes, which is why we do when we do supervision. We're not just talking about our case. We actually need to see the case. And what I appreciate even about like my relationship with Ryan, George, and some other trainers that have mentored me, Catherine Ream, Lisa Palmer Olson, is that when they watch my work, even though we can point out the things that are good, there's always these places where we can grow. And I think that's what's helping me grow. I see it with supervisees. I see it with so many people out there you know, as practitioners. They're very keen on knowing. I learned this one from Jim Thomas, the EFT trainer in Denver. Uh is that they can be good at knowing their EFT superpower. And you want to be able to cultivate that and use that really well. But also I want to, we do want to be able to be focused on what are the areas where, man, I got those things down packed, but where can I keep growing to really get better for my clients? And so for our, for our podcast, we appreciate some of you sending epi, um, ideas. That's the thing that guides us in what we choose. Those two things that we, Ryan and I are talking about. What's the leading edge of, edge of change that we're seeing with our clients? And also what's going to help push the leading edge of learning for people who listen to the podcast? Ryan and, our, and I are not trying to replicate what the good, you know, the good trainings that our uh, ISF team of trainers are already doing. We're not trying to replicate externship or core skills. What we're trying to say is, all right, you know, if you notice, Ryan and I don't really go back over the basics of EFT much on this podcast. Because we believe that you're already learning that. We're trying to supplement your learning with nuanced, focused pieces that we are learning from some great EFT therapists that we are in supervision with to really help, once again, push that leading edge. So you've learned that in externship. you learned that in core skills. How do we continue on that, that trajectory of growth is what the heart for Ryan and I is really about. Good. Well said. And, and let's stay with that first and talk about, because certainly... As therapists, we have the leading edge as well. That's right. And and so in, in regards to your comment about other trainers, that's right. We don't want to replicate. We're also not trying to refute. That's right. Uh, our goal here is to add to, to clarify. <laughs> and, and being someone who I didn't grab EFT that quickly. I'm not that fast of a learner. And uh, so I really have a heart for people who have a little harder time finding it. And that's really what 
we're trying to do. So let's get specific though. You know, when we, when we think about the leading edge, your range as a therapist, first of all, I want to say I work, I, I watch a ton of therapy. Uh, I do it. I, I uh, am one of the leaders of a, of a fairly large clinic and then I supervise all over the world. And uh, I hope, hope to put the vise back in super, meaning we watch videos, not just talk about it. And the, the leading edge or the, the range, the edge that you see among therapists is wildly different just in terms of where they are, level of experience, you know, their, their, their emotional health, um, their training, all that. It, it really is, is wide. And so you, you kind of find where your leading edge is as a therapist by, by when you get stuck. And I don't mean that in a shaming way. But if you look at my hardest case, what it, what it reveals in some ways is my leading edge qualifier. I don't want to put all the responsibility for change on the therapist. End of the day, you can be the best clinician in the world with the best model in the world. And, and it's your client's choice. They still get to choose. Not every relationship can or should be saved. Can I state that? that please do. This learning from, I want to fully catch what you just said. That's an important statement for therapists. You can be the the best clinician with a very clinically researched model, and ultimately it's still up to your clients whether they change or not. Your what we want to help you with is doing your due diligence to give them the best of what you got. Yeah, I like that. Right, I just wanted to catch that point. Yep, exactly. And you know, when I think about who the best therapists in the world are, I have, my brain populates with you know five or six faces. Um, and I won't say who because it doesn't matter, and, and and it's not accurate. I mean, half the EFT trainers in the world, I know them barely, uh, but they're not even you know their first language is not even English. And I assure you, if I watch their videos in some other language, I have no idea what they're doing. So I'm sure they're completely amazing. So so when I think about quote unquote the best, it's a very limited sample. Mm. That said, I have learned from some of the really good people, and their leading edge is very, very wide based on their range. This is the type of um, the idiosyncratic cycles that they can stay with. They can hold on to the process longer. They, they don't get lost in content. They don't, they don't lose themselves. They can stay grounded. There's a security there, both with themselves, self the therapist, and with the process, you know, the, the magical phrase that I wish I could bottle and give to people. And part of the reason I can't bottle and give to people is number one, you can't cheat life. You have to go through the reps. The other reason I can't bottle it and give it to people is because I don't always have it. But, but if I did, it'd be a good day is the ability to go in and, and, and sit down in a chair and trust the process that I can handle whatever comes up and I don't have to, overly control where we're going or um you know i know when to interrupt because it's 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 good with the process not because i'm anxious i know when to use little pieces of psych ed because it's good for the process not because i'm mm. anxious right so that that's the leading edge the therapist brings in is is what is your range what are you okay with and even this one to go in there and have a really bad session quote unquote bad session and be totally fine with that. That's a good day. When you just realize that's where they are right now. And this couple's really, really distressed. And we may have to have seven or eight grinded out tough sessions. And that's all right. 
I'm not overly distressed. I don't have a bad evening because, you know, this relationship and this session went bad. What's that? What do you think of when you think about the leading edge for the therapist? So you, know, I like I use a lot of sports ones, but I like stories. So I, I like to learn anybody's story about growth. You know, so I was watching um, some basketball analysis, and they were asking a basketball player, you know, what did you learn last year in the finals, and what did you work on in the summer to be ready for this season? And what I liked in that was he said I went back to the basics because when it comes playoff time and you're playing the best in the world. The small details make a difference. So I think a big part for me with this podcast is, you know, the willingness. And, and I appreciate all of you because if you're listening to this, and I just got to say that, I think if you're listening to podcasts on your drives, on your walks, on your bikes, those are all the things we've heard from people talking about this podcast. That means you're willing to study your process. And so being willing to study your process, not only to like shame yourself where you know you're not doing well, but study your process to know what you do well and master that and really hone that. And then also studying your process to say, okay, what are some kind of like some holes in my game where I can get better? Like for example, one of mine's right now is, you know, I've learned all these interventions, but doing a good job, and we got a podcast episode coming out on this, doing better at making full catches with our clients experience. I can do interventions and get clients to give me emotion and to drop with me but I got to do a better job of making a full catch and getting everything out. That's my leading edge right now. Very well said. And, and that is such an important point. And um, I need to wake up and tell myself this before I go to tr do trainings. You know, I'm, I'm getting, I'm in preparation mode right now for my next one. And, and I really want to help people. I think that's something that, you know, is, is good about me and I, I can kind of get excited about this. And I really want to give people, everything you know all the nuances I, I just prepped a slide for um pursuers and step seven who grieve for self after an amazing event <laughs> that is way out there that is nuanced. Uh, nuanced and because and, and that's okay to teach it at trainings you know it's okay to get ahead of people a little bit you got to show them the map but the reality is for most new people they've got to learn how to assemble yeah. You've got to learn how to assemble what is happening instead of trying to get out in front of what's going to happen. And I know we say that a lot, and I'm going to say it again, because most videos you watch don't do that. All that to say, if you get too far out in front of your leading edge, what's Ooh. going to happen is it's going to throw you into chaos. That's good. And from chaos, you're going to feel insecure. From insecure, you're going to get rigid. Yeah. And, and next thing you know, you're going to be looking for a different model. Or, or feeling pretty bad about you, which is not helpful for anyone. So, so uh, you know, being patient with yourself too and mm -hmm. being patient with leading edge and recognizing that wherever you're or someone's leading edge is today is okay. It's all right. That's right. right. So what? Right. This, is not, this is not a race. And, and to, be, to be graceful with yourself and, and, and honor your process and, and not compare your edge to anyone else. Tell me that next week. I'm not always so good at that one. So that's a quick look at the leading edge for a therapist. I'd like to take us into the the um, inner structure of a bond Ooh. and talk about the leading edge here. Okay. So what is the leading edge for the person who is sharing? Like the person, if you think about our process in EFT, the person who is being asked about their emotional experience and or 
doing the enactment, that person in a relationship or family. What is their leading edge? Mm. So here's just some things I was thinking about. <laughs> you ever play the limbo? <laughs> uh, I look at it, but I don't even try to play it. Yeah, well, I turned six foot six in ninth grade, so Oof. the limbo wasn't my game. I'm also not going to be a good jockey for horse racing. Anyway, so, uh, you know, but the, but the song about the limbo is how low can you, can go? you go? And so I think the leading edge for the person who's sharing is how slow can you go? You know, so someone who has a really wide, mature, secure leading edge can discuss their internal world in ways that are really slow and in an exploratory gear, right? We've talked about that in the past that if someone is summarizing quickly at the speed at which I'm speaking right now, that's fine, but it's not sharing. It's not risky, right? So the speed would be one. If someone can speak very, very slowly, kind of unsure, That is a very advanced leading edge. I think, how distilled can they go as they're talking about their experience? How much blame, how much negative view of other flies out? Um, or are they able to sort some and distill down into their inner world? You know, can they, can they talk about frustration and anger on route, for example, towards talking about hurt, and sad, and maybe even the longings mm. that, I, that I miss you, right? That, that, that's that edge piece. Back to the basics of attachment. How clear of a signal can they really put out, mm -hmm. right, about my inner world? And I want to add to that one, as you were saying, is, and can they talk about the experience it, as it's arising in the present moment? Like literally putting to words like, whoa, uh, you know, even right now, it's kind of, I just feel like I get so afraid and I feel this tightness in my chest because I'm just not sure what's going to happen. Oh gosh, I can even feel so scared, right? Like they can like, they're, they're not afraid to talk about the live present emotion and let it be seen in the moment, I think is one part for me, if they're on that leading edge and they keep it into view of self. They're talking about this is what I am experiencing. Nice. This is what I am going through. This is how I f the fear comes up in me. This is what my protection is trying to do for me. And this is what it would be like if I didn't have that protection. That would just be so, they're not, you never this, or you always that, you know, that kind of talk. Great distinction. You know, using I statements has been part of um, the literature on relationships for years. It's not wrong. The problem is you just can't teach people to do it. That's it's right. a symptom. It's a symptom, not a cause. Whether I can use I statements or you statements is just indicative of, of my level of security in the moment. So in EFT, instead of telling people to use I statements, we want to affect the security and then to help them do so, trusting the process that as people feel more safe and connected, they'll start to use more I statements and less you statements. I heard a thing, I saw a thing on social media that if the flower's not growing, we, we want to adjust the soil, not the flower. And, and I think that's fairly congruent with EFT. So yeah, when you think about the leading edge for the sharer, 
how vulnerable, how open can they really be? Can they put out a clear signal? Let me tell a quick silly story, can I? <laughs> and then we'll talk about the responders leading edge. Ryan, we need to give you another nickname. What's that? The big storybook. Big storybook. I thought I was a really good storyteller. I thought I was around Kenny Sanderford, trainer out of Nashville. Man, oh. he's just better than me. His stories are amazing. But anyway, I'll keep trying. All right, so you ready? So I know we have an audience international, so I'm always trying to think for them. So welcome, by the way. If you're listening to us out of, and particularly Germany and Australia, I get contacts from them. So I wonder if they use the same language we do. And a few in Ireland too. In Ireland. And I, I'm pretty sure our baseball metaphors don't win over there. They're probably thinking about cricket or something. I'll get Nicola to help me with the cricket once my wife is Jamaican. <laughs> we, my, my boys and I watched a cricket contest the other night, and we were like, we have no idea what's happening. Uh, I can't figure this out. Anyway, it was cool, though. All right, so at least in the U.S. and Arkansas, we have uh, we call it an, a medical emergency respond, responder, a medical emergency responder, an ambulance. Mm. And in the ambulance is an EMT driver emergency medical technician all right so imagine you're an ambulance driver and you're driving across town because your shift is over and you have a pounding migraine for a headache all right mm -hmm. and you're just like man i've got to get home and get me some medicine and sleep and so you're driving through um town and and out passes you a blue ford mustang sports car going 120 miles an hour almost hits you you know, flips you off, throws a whiskey bottle out the window, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this person, what in the world? And, and so they just fly by you, and then up in the distance you see like an explosion. And, and you're driving up, and, and then you see this car is like flipped four times, you know, and so you turn your lights on. So what do you do? And you got a migraine. You need some relief. You also see this huge wreck, and you know there's an injury. What do you do? Medic. Oh, gosh. Me? Dr. James Hawkins is a medic. What are you doing in that moment? Oh, gosh. I got a migraine. I need relief, and I see a car flipped over. And you're an EMT ambulance driver. Well, maybe that's because of my training, and I, and I have a history of being a withdrawer. I can shut off kind of my experience and go get the job done. That's right. That's the right answer. You pull over. And it doesn't even matter if it's their fault or not. It's not the point. There's an order to this. There's an order to attachment as well. So it's okay to set aside my pain and respond to the other person in their pain. And that speaks to the leading edge of the responder. Mm. So can I hold my pain and not have to force it into view? When I have to force my pain into view before I can respond to yours, it's indicative of my leading edge or my range being constricted so much, part of why we can't bond. <laughs> you're giving me a funny look go ahead no i like that because that's where couples do get stuck it's where it's like their pain comes alive and where it gets stuck right they start trying to complete you know i remember this episode they start trying to do two missions at one time and both get dropped so it's like they hear their partner talk about their pain well yes but remember that time when i got hurt and i'm hurting too so they're both talking about pain but the problem is if i shared my pain then you talk about your pain and the person's like well i'm never going to be hurt so i gotta so when you just said that, that is a part when you can see clients. And I love one of my favorite phrases, like, wow, look at what just happened there. Here's a place where you're hurting, but your body was still able to hold space for your partner in their pain. That's really hard to do. So I just want you to know I saw what you did. That's a huge, that's really hard to get to. So thank you. 
Exactly. I was almost 20 years ago. This is a shorter story. I was working with the psychiatrist and, and this person's partner and, and they were trying to go home and, and have repair conversations. I don't even know how good a work I was doing back then, but don't tell anybody anyway. And, and, and they come in for the next session and, and the psychiatrist goes, Oh, so you mean one at a time? I'm like, what? He goes, what? You mean one at a time? Says it like six times. I couldn't even figure out what he was talking about. And what, <laughs> what they had done is they, we had kind of done some repair, a little bit of psychiatric. We did a, a successful repair in office and they just weren't able to do it at home, which is very, very normal. And that's not a problem. That's just a part of the process. What they would do though, is they would go home and instead of just griping at each other like they did before, he would drop into vulnerability and say, hey, I'm really, really sad. And his partner would go, well, I'm really, really hurt. Mm-hmm. So see, we don't have an ambulance driver, yeah. <laughs> right? We have a bunch of wrecked cars. And uh, so part of the leading edge and the range of the responder is, can you set your pain aside for momentarily, can come back to it later, to be there with someone, even if it's not totally right? So the leading edge for the responder is how patient can one be? And even how, can, how much can you help contain the protection of the partner. Mm. That might be an even better definition is when your partner does their protection move, can you stay with it? Can you help contain it? Or do you either attack it or run away, pursue withdrawal? You know, even things like, can you be humble? Mm. Yeah, there was an old book I read years ago. I don't even remember what it was about, honestly, but I did like the title. It was a, it was a marriage book, a marriage therapy book, and it was called The Essential Humility of Marriage. And, you know, you really can't have intimacy without some humility. You know, if, if while social justice and justice is always really, really important, if you're preoccupied on justice, it's not going to work because you're in a relationship with someone who's imperfect, and so are they. And so there's a measure of, of, of grace and, and humility that also defines our, le- our leading edge. Can you tolerate differences? Mm. Do they have to, does your partner have to see it your way? Or shouldn't they just do it the way you think they should do? You know, I think all those things really show the leading edge. And so probably if I'm rolling these things out and you could roll many more out, you might be thinking about your own relationship or, or thinking about the couples you work with and you can see where constriction comes in. And we say all that to say, that's the point. <laughs> that's okay. That's what you're supposed to see. Yeah. And you know, when you said that, I just pictured a session I had, I think when I think about this leading edge again, and one of them is this ability, as you're saying that the responder, their leading edge is not just to hear it phonetically, but to experientially take it in. So I was working with someone the other day and they could hear it. And it was amazing how they allowed their body to take on the experience of their partner, which was a huge move for them because before, particularly for withdrawers, no space even for their own emotional experience. So that they learned to turn off their own body signals and not pay attention. I knew like they were pushing their leading edge as they made more space for theirs, but only theirs. Then we pushed it even further where their body, they allowed their body to take on the emotional experience of their partner or at least allow themselves to be impacted by the pain of their partner and then put that to words. Like, wow, as I see 
all those years of when I shut down, how I went away, I not only is like I feel guilty, but like it's like I can see how much you're hurting, and I feel that hurt too, as well for all those years. I don't know. I like it. One of my favorite phrases is, "It's not about you." It's a good phrase. Ooh. When you do good, when you do good, it's important to hold that phrase so that we don't become conceited, mm. you know, prideful or something. But I, I even more like it when I mess up because <laughs> it's like, you know, it's still not about you, you know, and it lets us shrug your shoulders. My old coach, whenever something would go really bad, I could still hear him screaming from the dugout. He'd be like, so what? You know, and he's like, come on, move on. Big deal. It's not about you. Our job is to be able to assemble what is happening before we try to change it, to be with people where they are, and then to join them on the leading edge. Oh, it's I never can. about us. Never about us. Man, I really, I'm not sure where we are. Right now I'm taking a process with Ryan, but I like this about just coming back to Orient again. We want you all to know, you know, it's definitely not about us saying we're the leading edge. Our heart is really like we see so many clinicians that really do want to do a good job. And we're all busy. We're all struggling. And so what we're trying to do is create a platform where as Ryan and I are trying to learn and encourage each other, and we have a team of support around us that they help us learn, we want to share that with you. Um, because when you have that kind of place where people are supporting you and growing, you know, we really trust the attachment. That's where we grow. And so um, we're helping you push your leading edge of learning, but also because we want you to help work with how do we help join our clients on the, on their leading edge? <coughs> Excuse me, <laughs> on their leading edge as well. And so, once again, we just hope you hear our heart, know what we're about, and how that even informs our podcast that uh, that we choose. And so, just thank you all so much for being a part of this journey and being a part of this process. Thank you for listening. We hope this experience helps you push the leading edge in your work to help people connect with themselves and with each other. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review. You can contact us at pushtheleadingedge at gmail.com and you can follow us on our Facebook page at Push the Leading Edge. You can follow Ryan on Facebook at Ryan Reyna Professional Training and on his website, ryanreynatraining.com. You can follow James on Facebook and Instagram at DocHawkLPC. You can also check out his website, DocHawkLPC.com.